Thanks to Greg Buck for reading our gospel for us today. I know it's a long one, but it's a great, great story. But there's so much there. There's so much to think about and reflect on and to unpack, especially about what is going on in between and underneath and all throughout the story. So three really things, important things you have to know about the story. First, all throughout John's Gospel, there is this conflict that is happening. But it's not an us and them kind of conflict between this nation or this people. It's a family conflict. It is the people of God who are slowly starting to separate. It's the brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and aunts and mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. Some who are holding on to the scriptures of old and uh, this coming Messiah that is um, the one that they are to wait for. And then the others who are seeing that person in Jesus through what he has said, through what he has done, through the things that they have witnessed and heard, told of who he is. They see in him something new that God is doing. And so it becomes this very ugly family conflict. Where are you in your family? In the birth order? Are you the oldest? Are you the youngest? Are you the middle? Are you the only? Sometimes it's kind of fun to ask that question of people and, and see how it relates to their personality. Sometimes the oldest are the rule followers. They're the ones that will do everything as they feel that is expected of them, try not to make waves, try to keep everything together, um, take responsibility. And then maybe sometimes those who are the youngest might be the ones that challenge authority or might be the ones that are more likely to go out on their own or to argue some new perspective or a different way of thinking. And what do you do with those two personalities, those two different ways of responding to the world around you and the experiences that you have? And then you add on how important faith was a part of your life. It was the very center of life. And you can see why it is not great. And then in the midst of John's gospel and this community that he writes to, the people have known what it is like to be forced out of those families that they have been a part of, to be forced out of the synagogue in which they came together to worship and to pray to God with their fellow family members. It is one bitter family conflict. And it, it comes out in name calling and lots of blame and lots of shame and all kinds of things that are death, that are not healthy, not good. And isn't that so true in life that even when you work so hard to try to be as healthy as you can be, try to say things in a respectful, positive way that talk about your feelings, not accusing.
accusing others or um, putting something on them that isn't something that they have said. But inevitably, what happens? We default back to ways that we have um, grown accustomed to or have learned or um, out of defensiveness. And so we start to just fight back and blame. And, and it's not good. It's not life-giving. It's only death and destruction. Second thing you got to know about the gospel passage is that it's written at a time in which there's not a lot known about all that God has created, especially this human body. And we are still yet discovering how complex we are, how every part of our body is dependent upon another, of how many things can be happening within us completely unbeknownst to us. There is so much that is yet to be written. And there is so much that we don't understand. We don't understand about um, depression and anxiety and illness and disease and cancers and uh, bones that don't quite work the way that they should or um, just all the rare things that happen that we couldn't have ever saw or planned for. And, and, and we ask that question, why? Why did this have to happen? Why is it that that person has no sight? And sometimes, without any other answers, it's really easy to go down that road of thinking that it must have been something that that person did, or it must have been something that their parents did. And while sometimes maybe can contribute to some things, illnesses, or, or whatnot. It's not theological. And where the passage goes is theological. It, it tries to imply that the parents or this man that's been born blind must have done something against God, that God would punish this man. And that's not something that I believe. It comes out of not knowing. Third thing you gotta know about this passage is that there's a word that's used here, the word sin. What do you think that word means? You might be thinking something that you do that you shouldn't do, or maybe something that you haven't done that you know you ought to do, right? I think for most of us, when we think of our sins, of Confessing to God the things that we have done. It's that definition. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You might see that definition of sins as well. But in John, sin is mostly singular. And it doesn't really talk about things we do. It talks about whether we're in relationship with God or not. Sin is not being in a relationship with God. Sin is not knowing God, not seeking to know God, not seeking to believe God, not seeking to see God, to see God with the eyes and our hearts of faith. Not being in a relationship with the one who longs to be close to us. What is sin? 
The other thing I want you to know is that punctuation is everything. And sometimes as the, uh, the, the writers who translated um, the scriptures into one, from one language to another um, did that, it can be hard for everything to fully um, be transferred over. Or, or sometimes they have to use like their discretion on like, how should I phrase this? Or um, you know, what words would be best to use? What periods or commas or punctuation should I use? And so in that passage where the question is asked, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it his parents or was it him? And Jesus' response there is this. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Period. That's how it should be read. Period. But unfortunately, in our English Bibles, additional words get added so that it reads, He was born blind so that of that, it makes us think that something happened that caused this man to be born blind. That something that the parents or him did, some sin that was committed, is now his punishment. And that's not how it is in the Greek at all. In the Greek, it goes like this. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, period. In order that God's work might be revealed in him, we must work the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Do you hear what a difference that makes? So that has so much power, power of blame and judgment and shame. And yet, in the Greek, it was never even there. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. In order for God's work to be revealed, this is what we are to do. We are to do the work that we are able to do. While it is day. What a difference, hey? So sometimes that is also what we have to remember, too. Sometimes we give meaning to or explain things based on our experience, based on our, how we feel. And when we're going through something difficult, it's really easy to go down that dark road of thinking that we are all alone and that we have done something that God has left us and abandoned us, that God is um, laying all these things upon us. And the further that we go by ourselves down that dark, dark road, the harder it is for us to be able to see anything. But what we see in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that complete we have no light shining in. We have no ability for anyone to be able to help us to see what God sees. All we can see is our immediate pain. 
it's so easy at the hardest time of our lives to start to pull back, to pull back from God, to pull back from each other, when those are the times in which we most need to be together, when we most need each other. As hard as it may be, in order that we might see God appearing in our midst. So that's the hard part of this text. How is it that we are to see God? We can't see God in the ways in which we see each other. So how do we know whether or not this idea or thought or belief or experience is from God or not from God? How do we know? How do we know if it's what we want God to be or what God really wants us to be? I think we ask that question. Is there life or is there death? Where does it lead us? And what does it bring to us? Because if it leads us down this road of death and darkness and, and isolation and fear and, um, and worry and anxiety and helplessness and feeling hopeless and feeling as if we are unworthy feeling as if um, uh, we deserve what we're experiencing, then that is not from God. That's another force. But it is something that maybe along the way, in the midst of those rocky mountain highs and valley lows, ultimately leads us to this place where we have life, where we have freedom, where we have experienced grace and love and forgiveness, and where we feel and know we have something to give and something to contribute. And that is from God. And especially, we know that it's from God if it leads us back to God and back to community if it helps us to be able to keep on including and inviting others to come and see and to experience that healing and that peace and that love that comes from God. This God who knows us and wants us to know God's love for us. That's always the measure. Does it bring life So this week in the midst of your life and all of the things that you have to deal with, have to go through, have to struggle with, it can be kind of hard to take this story that's kind of obscure and kind of like amazing and miraculous and, and just like that ends in this beautiful fashion of this man who over time sees that Jesus is not just a teacher, not just a prophet, but he is the one who has come from God. And not only does he see that spiritually, he's able to see it once again with his physical sight. And then what happens there is that the very question that those Pharisees, those religious leaders ask, gets flipped around. Because you know what the definition of sin here is, right? Who sinned? This man 
or his parents. But who's not in the closest of relationships with God? Who's not in the closest of relationships because they're only able to see what they've always known. They're only able to see what they want to see, what's safe for them to see. They can't quite see what God is now doing because they're not actually all that close. They know the scriptures, but they know them in their head, not in their hearts, because they use them as a way to judge make pounds for those around them. It's not to invite and to include others in, to hear and to know for themselves. So this week, think about your life. Think about the ways in which you need healing. Think about the ways in which you long for something different. You long to know that Jesus is right there with you. Think about the ways in which you long to know what's the right way, what's the way to choose that leads to life instead of death. Then do this. Trust. Jesus meets you in that place, wherever you are. Jesus meets you in that place, and in the most surprising of ways, sometimes through the resources of professionals, sometimes through friends and family who can surround and support you, Sometimes through doors that just sort of seem to open up with opportunities at just the right time. Jesus comes to you to provide healing. Jesus comes to you to help you to see who he is. This one who is always light for our way. And this one who leads us to life. And this one who wants us always to be close so that we can make his love known. But we have to know it and see it for ourselves. Do you see what I see?